Welcome to the local podcast. I'm Jeff Lathrop here in Olympia, Washington, and my guest today is Linda Tilson, life coach, podcast host. And actually, last time that we met, we did a podcast a couple of years ago, you're still working for the state. So you have many plates, you wear many hats, and I'm really excited to have you on the show today to get into a few different topics. Thank you very much for that warm welcome, Jeff. And you're right. I am a woman that wears many hats. Um, that's one of the things that I've been becoming over the past year. I've been becoming a beacon of team empowerment. So for starters right now, it's Saturday, December 3rd, 2022. So we're getting into this on the weekend. It's actually a beautiful, sunny day with some snow on the ground, which is kind of fun. But we met, I think, what was it? 20, must have been 2019 or 2020. Yeah, I believe it was 2019. And then right into 2020, right before the pandemic hit. Yes. That's right. So I had met a colleague through a professional networking program, started a podcast, and her first idea to invite a guest on the podcast was you. And so fast forward, here we are about three years later, and you're still doing uh, the life coaching and the podcasting. So tell me a little bit about what you're up to now and what's transpired over the past couple of years for you. I'd be happy to jump right into this. And so I do work for state government. And so I'm a transformational leader, and I lead a professional team of accountants. But what I also do is I lead organizational transformational change within my own organization. And really in the work that I've done, um, what I noticed was I've stepped into a place where the coaching is all centered around individuals um, really stepping into their personal power, and they need that to be successful in the teams that they're a part of. And so during my journey in state government and in my journey coaching, I really came to that realization that where I can best be effective in the lives of people is in that team setting. And so I've been an entrepreneur, and I realized that I didn't really want to be a solopreneur. I wanted to be a team leader, a team participant. And when I can help individuals to step into their personal power and then move powerfully in, on a team, that's my wheelhouse. And knowing that, that's where all of my different um, places of advocacy work end up being, is being that member of that team, and in some cases, teaching people how to lead their teams. So this has kind of been something, it's a skill set you've been developing in the past, maybe let's say, well, probably your whole life, but really uh, focused the past three to five years or so. How did you come to find that you really focused on the community? Did you realize, hey, I'm extroverted, I just need to see more people? Or you know, how did you come about finding some of these traits about yourself and learning to embrace them uh, even more? Okay. So that one there, um, really, when I was 12 years old, I was that person on the playground. And so back then, I was probably doing relationship coaching. <laughs> and to be honest, you know, people would talk about their friends leaving them, someone taking somebody's boyfriend or, you know, all these different things. And, and you know, there was also a time where there were students that came into the school and so they lived somewhere else. And, and I, mean, I can remember fondly of this one time, this girl, she was older than I was, and she was placed into a grade that was younger than her because English was not her first language. She had just had open heart surgery. And um, I, I just remember that it was a hard time for her to be able to uh, be able to speak English, to be able to say what she needed. And you know, we actually had a teacher that wanted her to eat her lunch and because the food was foreign to her, she just didn't want to do that. And I just remember speaking up for her and saying, hey, you know, that isn't what she wants to be eating. And she shouldn't be required to eat everything off her plate any more than the rest of us. And so I spoke up for this, mm. for this girl. And so I've been doing that all my life. I've become the voice for people that need that uh, someone to speak up for them, someone to not just let the the things happen to them. And, and so that transferred into the leadership that I have, you know, speaking up for people on a team, taking those tough conversations and having them with management when things, you know, aren't working the way they should, not being afraid to do that. And with if anything, I'm not really an extrovert or an introvert. I'm an ambivert. Mm. And so I, I flex back and forth between the two. And uh, really, what I didn't realize through my coaching, because I, I tried to figure out where do I want to do my coaching, right? Is it is it individual? Is it team? And, and the theme kept coming back over again is it's the teamwork, 
that is the number one thing, but I discounted it because that comes to me easily. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I thought, well, why am I, why am I discounting my gift and my skill for, for working and connecting people? And so the biggest thing I found to this day that my organization taught me in state government is that I can connect people, processes, and technology. And so that's a lot of what happens in the transformation space. So you can apply that to the individual that's going through that, get them ready for the change, take them through it when it's hard, and then really, you know, connect everyone in a way that, you know, change can happen, innovation can happen. And that happened during the pandemic. Oh my gosh, that's one of my my most favorite stories. So is this something more about just talking through it or giving people questions to talk through it with themselves? And, and how are you finding kind of the importance to balance the individual sessions with the group sessions as far as if you're going to do a coach, not only for the participants that are getting coached, but for you as balancing your introvert, extrovert, one-on-one versus one-to-many aspect? And, and so it's a lot of things that happen um, in the coaching. And so it's not about me telling somebody what the path could be or how they should feel or how they should go about things. It's asking questions. How would you like this to look? What would it take to get there? And and really, it's all about the individual deciding what it is they want for themselves but where the coach comes in, they empower them to use their voice. They help them to craft conversations so they can go in and have those crucial conversations. And it's about really stepping back, really, and allowing them to come to the conclusion of where they want to go and how they want to do it, but offering that support. You know, if you can think about about a time where you really wanted to step into something and grow and you weren't really sure you're ready. Imagine that day when someone said, I believe in you, Jeff, I believe that you can take this action. And I believe that you're going to become this person that you want to be in the way that you've just described. I think that's really huge. Uh, Just also the description of your future self or the person you want to be. It's it's a fun practice to think about that and do some, you know, visioning or envisioning, but saying it out loud or writing it down, really powerful. And it seems to really impact the benefit. Yes. You've hit upon something really important. That's that whole writing it down, having it in front of you. Um, one of the things that I practice personally is setting daily intentions. So imagine you're getting up for work or you're getting up in your house to be at work and it's Monday, right? So most people think of Monday as, oh, I got to get into the day. Everything's going to be thrown at me. It's going to be chaos. I mean, that could happen, right? Mm -hmm. And so I say, okay, I'm ready for Monday. I'm going to show up with my best self. And what that means is, is being grounded and being calm. And when people are having issues of problems, issues, any of those things, we're going to just be calm about it because when we're calm, we can make good decisions and we make good decisions. Then we are not doing knee jerk reactions that we're coming back to regret. And, and that's something right there. That's so powerful. And when I ask people to try that, then they come back with, yeah, I feel more calm. I am able to move through. I don't feel like I'm anxious. I work with a lot of people that become anxious on a daily basis. And if I'm anxious as a leader, just imagine how that can uh, multiply tenfold. Now, there's a couple of things I want to go on from here, but it's it's pretty interesting. So now I think once like once you've had the, the reflection, like the idea of who do I want to be today, once you've even had that thought to think about something or think about your direction, then it's pretty easy to see the path you want to go and try to follow it. Some of the places I've struggled is you wake up and you don't think of doing your daily review first thing, you think of something else. Uh, so I maybe have to write a little note on the coffee maker or something that I know I'm going to do every morning. I'll write an actual sticky note there that says, don't forget to do your daily goal. But how have you done, do you do anything like that? Or how do you build that new thing in your schedule if you weren't currently doing it? Well, how actually, do you, yeah. How do you a, remember to do your yeah, it's it's a it's a combination really. Um, what I one thing I try to do is not to uh, take my personal self and my professional self and split them apart. I'm the same being, um, and really, I think the world gets really stuck into making to do lists and having to 
check it off and have it all finished by the end of the day to feel like they've actually completed something successfully. So I encourage people to do the reverse list. So you do want to know what you need to set up for the day. So you could look at that the night before and in the morning. But I want people to write down what they accomplished and what they achieved because it's so much more satisfying to look at all the things that you've done and, and then to take a reflection looking back. So there's a lot of things a person could do during the day. And so let's say I did my um, mile run. Let's say I did that in the evening. Okay, I did my mile run. And then let's say I had a project that I was working on. Okay, I needed to uh, set up some sales interviews. I needed to be able to uh, post some content. I needed to be able to uh, go back to a client and make sure they have what's needed for the next steps of what we're doing as we work together. All these things happen, right? So I'm writing them down and then I'm reflecting back on, okay, was there anything during my day that kept me from doing a couple of the things that aren't written down, which is much better than to have this list and then look at it like, oh, I only did two things today. No, it's like, no, I look at this list and I've done 12 things today. And I can see when I'm looking back, there were a couple of things that I worked on that really weren't necessary, didn't really connect to the goals that I'm doing. And honestly, I always want people to think about making small incremental, regular improvements. You do that, you'll move through things and it, it will take less effort and less time. That's something that I've learned on all the projects. It's really easy to look at all the to-dos and thinking you must create content. You must edit your videos. You must uh, do all these things. And really it's like, okay, well, what was important today? Well, what was important today was that Today is Wednesday. I'm doing a podcast and I need to show up effectively, be prepared, be uh, interesting and interested in the guest. And if I can do that, then that's what I need to be doing. I didn't need to be doing all these other things that aren't contributing to being my best self and bringing the people to their best selves. So here's a trick question for you. Uh, how would you structure your day if you didn't have any goals set? I think I'd be all over the place. I'd be just doing whatever felt good in the moment and avoiding all the things I don't want to do. Uh -huh. oh, that's a great answer. <laughs> I found myself in that boat and it's, it's just not setting the intention. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're just, you're, you're going to be like a little rowboat floating around the marina. It's not tied down, you know? Yes. And um, have you ever heard of the term protected time? I mean, uh, I guess not explicitly, but I can maybe draw a conclusion that that would be your you know, your safe space that you have to think about the things you need for yourself. Absolutely. So you hit it right there, the things that you need for yourself. So those aren't things that contribute to your projects or the must do. Those are those things that you do for yourself so you can have the energy, the enthusiasm. And, you know, some of it means resting. Some of it means exercise. Some of it means you're just going to sit and, and reflect or journal. And, you know, a lot of people will like, well, I don't know if I can put 15 minutes into my day on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I'm thinking, you don't have to be that structured. You just have to commit that I'm going to set aside some time whenever that seems like your best time to do that. And you're going to be intentional. And you're going to tell people that say, hey, can you drive me to the store? Or can you make me some dinner? Or can you do me a favor? You're going to say no to those people because you're going to say, I've set aside some time for myself. I will get back to you when I finish doing that time, whatever that is. You have to be really structured, though, and actually honor those other commitments for something like that to work. Oh, yes. Because if you don't honor the commitment with yourself and you get run down, you don't rest, relax, recharge, and put yourself as important, then you can't serve anybody else. It's just like the airplane. But also to earn that time for yourself, you have to be there for others when it's the time for others. So when it's family time, you need to be there. Oh, and you have that protected time or you have those um, goals and you end up shifting your family around so you can work on those goals. Mm -hmm. um, it ends up hurting those relationships because it shows those other people that they're coming in second. So there's that part that you have to work on that. And so that's one area I had to work on because I was doing all of these things for my personal growth, development, entrepreneurial uh, ventures, and it was coming at a cost. 
So I wasn't wanting to show up fully to my kids, to my husband, and maybe in some cases, maybe it could have been my friends. And so, um, that that is something that's important. You you can do all of these different things, but you gotta balance the relationship piece because if you're not showing up for your family, then you, they're gonna become resentful and they're not gonna support anything that you're doing. So here you are doing these things that you wanna do and you have no support from the people closest to you. You're giving them less of you than everybody else. And that's a problem. Even if your drive is to you know support the family's financial goals, mm -hmm. Your family, your family has more than just financial needs. So you can't fool yourself into saying, well, I'm working so hard for my family. Well, yes, but if, you, if you're living for your family, they're going to need more than, you know, just your work ethic and, your, and you to put towards, you know, career pursuits. You're going to actually have to spend some time and interact and have discussions and, you know, which is fun. I actually sometimes have to stick to my time schedule because we'll get so distracted talking to each other. So that's, there's all these, you know, two sides to each coin. Uh, sometimes we get distracted with, hanging out. And then sometimes you forget to spend the time together because you're focused on your personal pursuits or, or the other part of it. Exactly. And so that's where um, you had to really decide what is it that you feel is important and that you value. And, you know, those things that you might do that don't really add to that, you need to cut those out and you need to start saying no. And you need to honor your, your, your boundaries with, I'm spending time with my family, or I have this appointment that I have with myself and I'm going to keep it. And so that's hard because we're always trying to not rock the boat. We're trying to come across as agreeable and flexible. Well, when we're doing those things, we're not doing anyone any favors. We're, we're hurting ourselves, we're hurting our families, and we're not being our best self. And, and so that's a struggle for a lot of people. And, and that's why I said, let's not cut that out, because I think people need to hear that. So here's a two-part question. Do you have a part of your weekly schedule, say on Friday, that allows for, I'm probably going to miss some stuff Monday through Thursday, so here's a block on Friday to kind of do some catch-up and some review? The second part to the question is how often are you looking at yourself reviewing saying, hey, everything's going cool or I need to make some adjustments because you can't rewrite the plan every day, but you also can't set it and forget it. You know, how do you how do you uh, line that up? Well, I'm going to disagree with you, Jeff. <laughs> um, you can always rewrite the day. Yes, I do set blocks of time that where I want to catch up. I want to see where my projects are. And I use tracking systems to do that. So I tend to look at my personal life and my entrepreneurial ventures as a project. So I manage my time, I manage my energy, and I'm looking to see how I'm progressing through. And I do adjust. I do make changes. And there's times where I cut things out. There's times where I figure out, okay, I need to get this done. I'm behind. How am I going to do that? I ask for some help and support. And um, so, yes, I do, I do set aside the time. I do reevaluate. And when it's not right, I'm, I'm not so tied to it that I can't shift and change it. And so if your goals are dictating your actions so that you have a direction you want to take your life and you achieve a goal, are you immediately setting a new goal or are you just having goal setting like every six months or something like that? No, I'm not really. I mean, I won't I always want to like share with people the more you set a goal and achieve it, then you got to go up a ratchet. You got to go up a ratchet. So you've got to like enjoy the journey. So if, if let's say I wanted to have all of these different, um, I know, workshops. Let's say I wanted to to take my 2023 and I want to have tw uh, 12 workshops, one a month. I'm going to work towards that. And I work so dang hard and I am moving through, but I'm not enjoying it. I'm not enjoying the sales conversation because customers require sales conversations. And, and let's say I'm not enjoying having to set aside a whole weekend to develop the content that I'm going to teach. Oh, I'm, I'm just, it's draining. Oh, I don't want to do it, you know, but yet I'm getting all of these things done. It comes at a cost. And so you really have to like what you're doing. You have to enjoy the process, not just the wins. So it's not all about checking off. I've, I've held uh, all of these sales conversations. I have 12, uh, you know, uh, events on the books. And by the way, I've done all of these. It's like, no, I, I've got to be excited about the, the content that I'm preparing. I've got to be excited about the people I'm inviting in for that experience. Because I actually used to hate sales. I will tell you, I hated sales. I would, de I would develop this beautiful content. I'm very passionate about the delivery. The delivery, that's the easy part. But I would hate 
having to pull people in to come to my courses or come to my one-on-one coaching sessions. So what I realized, the more that I loved developing the content and just embodying the, the area that I'm working in, which is the team empowerment, there's no shortage of people coming to me asking how they can coach with me one-on-one, how they can hire me to come in and teach for their organization it's all become easy because I'm not so set in a dollar amount that I have to achieve or a number that I have to achieve. I have a general idea for capacity, but beyond that, I'm, I'm doing what uh, makes sense and I'm loving the journey. And I don't even think of sales conversations separate from the coaching. It's all coaching all together. That's, that's a great way to look at it. I've noticed something somewhat similar in my career that I really used to focus on production numbers. And now I'm much more focused on my daily activities and routine and what am I doing every day to achieve the result of being having a successful, basically just being a good human, returning people's calls and then putting an effort and going out and trying to achieve what I'm capable of. Oh, I think what you're saying, Jeff, is that the passion and the process of what you're doing as a good human being or a person of service every day, that's going to drive your business in the best way. That's that's to me is the, the ultimate way. It's not about picking up the phone, sending people direct messages to get business. It's about showing up and bringing the value that you already have. And people see that. And when people see that, they're like, well, how can I work with you? The same with your mortgage um, business, right? You know, when you're doing the lending. I mean, I already um, told you or shared with you that when you put together those videos of the different types of loans a person could secure, like in a uh, refinance, and you can share uh, the benefits of, of one direction over another, and then you are letting the customer look at their personal finance um, I guess you would say their risk tolerance <laughs> because that plays into that. And they can see the numbers in your videos. That was like the top thing that you did that I'm like, wow, uh, you know, I'm a numbers person. You show me the numbers. I look at my risk tolerance. We were able to, to come up with, uh, you know, what I needed. And it was because you were passionate about what you do. And what I thought came through the most was you weren't in conversation with me to get the money from my business. You were in conversation with me to get me that mortgage. And the money was the amount I was willing to, to pay you as the percentage to get a lower mortgage payment. And ultimately at the end of the day, that's why we worked with you. That, and that felt really good. And, and so you're right, being that good human, that's what came out. Well, and that kind of goes back to our whole theme of empowerment, specifically within my business. The cut, I don't get to tell you what to do or have to. I mean, I can guide you and say, hey, here's what I think. Mm -hmm. But I'm not necessarily the expert of your life and what's best for you. So it's really appropriate for me to say, hey, here's the options. You can pick whatever mortgage you want. Often you can pick any interest rate you want. It's going to come with a certain closing cost. You have those options. So every lender is going to quote something different. But really, as the customer, you can pick whatever you want. And yeah, there's differences. And some do have more closing costs than others and stuff like that. But you know, to even explain, hey, you pick whichever you want, I'm here to show you. And if you want 10 more examples, let me know. You know, you, you kind of have to be careful on that. Maybe give two or three so you're not overwhelming and, and you know, but uh, but yeah, that's the whole theme of empowerment and letting somebody choose for themselves. What's the right scenario? I'm going to learn what's most appropriate to present to you based on what you've told me, but you're also not going to tell me everything. And I might think, oh, they're, they everything they said is definitely option B. And then you choose option C. Oh, well, I don't know why they... Because you left out some big piece of information that I don't need to know, but it's still important to you. So I think that's the cool point about giving the the options as well. You'll get you'll get pretty close when you talk to somebody, but you might you you might not get the full story, and you can leave some you know wiggle room for them to make that actual right decision. Yes, that does. You know, our worlds are very similar when you put it that way. It's about uh, putting the options out there, but allowing the person that flexibility, that um, that empowered space to actually take actions on something that they know they can do. Um, I've seen instances where salespeople or even coaches have done like a disservice of wanting to direct a person or tell a person how they should do it and not really being open to there being a different way. And that can, that can come at a cost. And, and so really, you know, as a leader or someone that's coaching or, um, 
um, in the sales space, you have to really remember that at the end of the day, we're all individuals and we all have choices. And what I choose to do for myself may not be what you would choose. And letting that be okay. And, and letting that person do what they need to do in their timing, in their space. We should celebrate that because that's what makes, that's what makes us enjoy stuff is that people are different from us and they like different things than we do. I, I made this joke a while ago. That's like, I like that some people have really bad taste. I don't have to dislike their taste. I just get to enjoy that mine is different and that gives me a scale. So yeah. sometimes that's helpful. Yeah, and it really does each to their own and um, diversity is great. Sometimes when we encounter a task that seems easy for us, or I don't want to use the word easy because I don't, maybe nothing's easy, but things that suit us that didn't seem incredibly challenging, you might discount that. Oh, that's not really a great pursuit of my time. That's so easy. There's not as much value in that. I need to go learn this challenging task that's hard for me and, you know, make the really best, you know, really challenge myself. But sometimes you're sacrificing a strength. I mean, how, how do you recognize that? The first time I ever noticed something like this for a good example was my first year of college economics class. And I did terrible on the, we all did terrible on the first test, but all the rest of them were fine. And I understood the program and started getting great grades in that class. Everybody else continued to struggle, which I was like, well, that's, that's weird. And I just thought, I, I don't know. I just thought we're freshmen. And so people aren't serious yet or whatever. Um, but I found out that my brain just kind of works for some of those concepts and business theories. So I ended up majoring in business. I followed the path of least resistance because I thought, oh yeah, I can just do this and you know limit my uh, my workload. But then really, I found it, it became a whole career. So I kind of went a lazy pursuit, ended up falling into it for the benefit. So that's that's kind of a little experience I have with finding something easy and not giving it the credit it might deserve up front. Yes, well, because a lot of times our strengths, that's why they call them our strengths, is because they do come easy to us. And when you choose to compare or look at what other people's strengths are, then sometimes we have a tendency to diminish what we bring to the table. Because, you know, a lot of times we're looking for that validation that that strength that we bring is valued. And, you know, it isn't always going to be the most glamorous thing. It, it may be something that's supportive. And so the example I want to use is I work on a team of, you know, technical people. So we're a support function. And so when you look at businesses and organizations, who gets all of the credit, all the limelight, all the recognition? It's the revenue. It's, it's why you're in business that gets all of the um, support, accolades, uh, and whatnot. And what I found was, you know, the people that are providing that backend support, if you don't have them in place, then the other people can't bring in their revenue, the lines of business. And so I started to realize that, yes, the work I do is important and it does come easy to me. And I think the day that I realized that that was um, a thing was when I was on a team and I was getting publicly recognized for my strength of organization and for being able to effectively lead a project. And I thought, well, that's not really why we're all here. We're here to build a community. We're here to build some programs and, and to do some coaching and teaching. So, so how is this infrastructure, this thing that's so um, exciting that I have? And, and, and because I got that public recognition, that reflection back that the thing that I do was something that was so valued, I all of a sudden realized, wow, it's, it's, it's being that member of that team and keeping everything moving and oiled and, and, and going. It, it's all about that um, organizational and project management uh, to move initiatives because without the infrastructure, you're not going to move quickly and fast or even get the same result if you're not doing those things. And so with that, I just thought, you know what, I got to teach and coach what I'm already doing. And it comes easy to me because it's not for everybody. It's not easy. And I also want to recognize the people that are out there, that front and center, the revenue lines, or the, the people that are in that service area actually doing the, the thing that it gets most recognized. The support people are, are just as important. And so I like bringing that out in organizations and to individuals such as myself that, that aren't giving them, themselves the credit that's credit due. So that kind of leads right into the importance of community. So you need to 
get yourself around other people so that you can get that validation, hopefully, or maybe you can get some awareness and some perspective like, oh, maybe if they're doing that much, I, I could do a little more too. Or, oh, hey, I am pretty good at this. I should be proud of that. And maybe I can share my gift. So you, your community will help you, will really help you determine whether you are in uh, like a state of review or a state of sharing or a state of, you know, building and developing for yourself. I think you have to be pretty aware of what state you're in. If you really need to be in a development state, maybe you shouldn't be sharing or, or helping others to learn. You, you know, you should be taking, like you said, some of that protected time, even maybe if that's in a protected year for you to get your mental health and all your things in order and um, then to be able to go help, kind of remove the plank from your own eye before you remove the plank from someone else's. Exactly. And, and so really working on yourself, taking that time to do that. And then when you get to a point where you've worked on yourself, now you don't have to be a, a, a finished, completed uh, product, right? Because we're always learning and growing and we're never done. Um, but once you know that you are in a space where you're ready for what's next, what can I take that that I've developed and take it to that next step, that's where the community becomes important because we're not going to receive what we don't ask for. So now, even when you do have a community and you start producing content, not everybody's going to rush to support it and like it and comment. So how do you find yourself continuing to put these, uh, put this information out there and continue to help pe help people? You will get some validation, but ultimately it's going to be based on your conviction that you want to share these things and that this is what you want to be doing with your time. So how do you balance that when you think, oh, man, I just did a post. I got three likes. Oh, <laughs> you know, actually, it's not in the likes. <laughs> it's not in the likes at all for two reasons. One, the nuggets are in the comments. <laughs> it's, it's when somebody says you've said something that has resonated with me. I can relate to it. Um, I want to have a conversation with you so I can learn more about what you said because I want to learn from you. That's where the putting the content out is. It's really about sharing those things that you're passionate about, no matter if you get the likes or the comments. But um, I would say that having somebody want to go into a conversation with me about something that I've shared to learn more so that they could uh, take some steps and, and maybe move in a, in a similar direction in their life or their business, then that's where it is. That, that's what you do. Be, you don't just put content out to hear yourself or to get the likes. Yes, it's nice to see that you may have put a post out there that got you know 10,000 views. But honestly, I get more satisfaction out of that one person that will pick up the phone, send me a text, or be uh, out on conversation in person and say, you know, you really made me feel listened to. You really had some good ideas about how to do something. Well, you show me some more of, of how we can do that. And I'm always happy to sit with another person to share my perspectives so that they can move in the direction that they're wanting to. That's that's really what it's all about. If you're not doing it for those things, you're doing it for the vanity points, for the likes, the 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 money even, you're doing it for all those things, then you're not doing it for the for the reasons that really, you know, are inside. You're going from the inside out and not from the outside in. So if you are in a period of, let's say, absence of feedback, how do you keep yourself going through that? Are you supplementing with other wins? Like some of the some of the motivational things, make your bed, just get yourself a small win. Are you supplementing with other stuff like that? Or are you saying, hey, I'm convicted. I know I want to share this information. I'm going to keep doing it. Or maybe I'll change some things up because, you know, we will base what we do on feedback. Um, and mm -hmm. so you're going to want to achieve certain metrics, but how do you balance that part of it? Okay. So feedback is really important and all feedback isn't necessarily going to come to you unsolicited. You have to ask for the feedback. So if you want to know, is my content resonating with my audience? Well, ask one of your audience members. Am I um, a good leader in the workplace for my team? Ask your team how you're doing. They'll tell you. And, and, but you got to be, you know, when you ask, you got to be willing to, to take that feedback in and, you, and know that sometimes it's a circumstantial one-off thing and other times it's something that could be um, longer term. So you have to discern, ask more questions and decide, you know, which things are relevant and make sense to you and you want to do something about because not everything that you get for feedback is something you need to do something about. It's somebody's perception, it's somebody's viewpoint. And so you may or may not share that, but you got to, you know, be willing to take that in. Um, as far as 
you as an individual, you got to be convicted in who you are and know what you want, regardless of the feedback. When I say regardless of feedback, I don't mean that we don't want the feedback, but you would do it because you know it's the right thing to be doing. It makes you feel good when you're doing it. And so it's all of, it's all about that, making yourself happy doing what you're doing. I mean, if you're going out there and you're getting great feedback and you're feeling miserable while you're doing it, well, listen to that. You know, you're not, you don't need to be miserable to get validation any more than you have to be all excited, you know, to, to be able to move forward. You know, you're always going to have times of challenges and, and times that you're going to have to take a step back and reevaluate. So I'm pretty thoughtful. So this sounds like, you know, you kind of want to set a plan and just work it for a while. You know, you're going to make your adjustments, but just maybe be consistent for a period and have a goal. And then once that's over, reevaluate and don't, don't get so up in arms if it doesn't go your way along the way. Just wait till your evaluation period. But make sure you set those and actually be a little bit more dedicated in your own life with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think about like in the workplace, like an individual wants to promote and they think that their manager is going to be that person that's going to automatically wave their magic wand and they're promoted. No, you take charge of your own life. You want a promotion? Are you showing up? Um as the physical embodiment of your resume, because all of your actions are being watched all of the time. Are you stepping up and asking for additional assignments? Are you stepping up and helping your coworkers out? Are you, you know, going to take some classes or, or do some things that would develop your skills further so you're ready for the next step? Because a manager, a leader will support you, but at the end of the day, you're in charge of your own life. And so if you don't know what you want and where you're headed and taking steps every day to get there, well, it doesn't really matter if someone else is going to be telling you what you could be doing if you're not willing to, to put the skin in the game and actually do that. I see that a lot. People feel like they're entitled to get to a certain place and that it's somebody else's responsibility to get them there when really it's the other way around. There's an amazing amount of resources out there that we can ask for help and learn even for free, even if you just went on YouTube and researched. I mean, so it's, it's just incredible the amount of uh, resources that we have to help us. Okay, Linda, one question that I have for you that seems like it might be tough for a certain segment of the population if they're working from home or maybe they are in tech or some kind of sales where they not, don't necessarily go to an office or have a staff or community. How would you suggest someone like that get involved with the community to get the right kind of people around them so they can get all the benefits that we're talking about of feedback and self-awareness and these really important social cues that we need to help structure our lives? I love that question, Jeff, because one of the things that I most love to do is to go into communities to help build them, both as a participant and someone that leads them. And... I found that the online communities are some of the most rewarding, some of the most satisfying, and you can find people that have an interest, a common interest. And so if you are one of those people that is at home and you're not really looking to or can't go in person, don't worry. There's there's plenty of communities. And so, you know, the communities I'm a part of, most of them are virtual and I love being a part of them. And so some of them are um, based on entrepreneurship because I've been interested in that. And so, you know, as a coach, uh, as someone that that teaches, I belong to a community called uh, Beacons of Leadership, right? So, so that is an online community that I've gone into. There's um, Facebook groups. Um, Voice of Men 360 was a, a group that I was asked to belong. And um, I was so glad that I did. It opened up an opportunity where I could host some of the uh, uh, open up podcasts. I was able to get involved in International Men's Day. And that led to um, creating a, a group of men all over the world. And you know what we do now that's been a lot of fun is we uh, started a show called The Men's Room. And so we run that on Facebook. It's a live event where we talk about the issues that are most important to men. And, and so that was an area of advocacy work that, that I enjoyed doing. And so really it's all about, you know, putting yourself out there. So, you know, create that profile so someone could get to know a little bit about what you're interested in. Um, look for Facebook groups, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, all of these different social platforms. They have something for everyone. They, they really do. And so, so if you're maybe a little shy and, and not sure what you want to do, you know, you could also... Uh, join some of the online mentor groups. I'm a member of Mentor 
I mean, I'm a member of Upnotch. I'm a men member of all these different uh, groups. And when you can do that, then you can ask the question, who could I meet to show me more about X, Y, Z. And, and so, so the really, the only thing you need to do is to have that profile. So someone can know a little bit about who you are, decide what you're interested in. And it doesn't always have to be something that you are an expert in. It doesn't have to be something that everyone else is doing the same exact thing. It could be something that you want to learn that's new and different. I mean, imagine if you, um, are a coach or a teacher and you want to learn podcasting. Well, go look for some groups that uh, have podcasts, ask to be on a podcast, ask to uh, actually not ask, go ahead and host your own podcast, but find someone that that's, you know, already doing one and ask them for the ropes. I mean, I have a couple different podcasts. I, I, I you know, today, you know, I'm on your podcast. I, I do a lot of that and that's a lot of fun and you get to meet a lot of people that way. That's actually a great tip because... When you meet those, some of those digital communities, some of the people in there might actually be local to your location. A good example I have, I'm on a motorcycle Facebook group, and one of the people on there rides really similar motorcycle to me, and he's now interning with Lone Depot for a loan officer position, getting the whole overview of what it takes to be a loan officer. And that came from a friendship-based, a hobby or an interest-based friendship uh, that developed into what could be a pretty cool working relationship. And you know, the energy of the starting to develop a community and having even just one extra person in the branch here for me at Lone Depot Olympia has been really positive and getting me to the office more every day and really, really wonderful how just from posting on Facebook about motorcycles, I was able to get a benefit in my work life just by staying true to my personal life. So there's a little bit of balance there, I guess, and some synergy. Exactly. So, I mean, what better way to be doing something alongside of someone, uh, and then have that connection go into business or that other interest. That's usually how it works. And, and to be honest, I have a virtual assistant. He's based out of Nigeria. I have a podcast partner um, that is in Denmark. I have a couple of men that I'm partnered with uh, for a business. And so we're, we're putting on an event for a community actually called the, the Beacon Awards. So we're going to be an online virtual presence where authors, um, uh, coaches, teachers, entrepreneurs, we're going to be creating this community, this space where we're going to honor people that are those beacons, those people that uh, uh, want to be around and supporting community. And everyone's at different levels. You know, some people are novices and just starting off. Some people are more established influencers, but it makes the community whole when we have the diversity in all of these different um, areas, um, people around the world. And so I'm really excited about that. And you know me, I'm, I'm in so many communities, I can't even count them on my two hands here. Well, and speaking of your communities, I wanted to ask you, one of the themes that you are a proponent of is men's empowerment. Mm -hmm. Now you have a couple sons, right? Yes, uh, I do. Also a daughter and you're married. So tell me a little bit about where that comes from. Is it the men in your life that feel wanting to help empower other men or uh, other relationships or where does that come from? Okay. So it, I think it stems from, I don't have any brothers. So I grew up with all sisters. I do have sons. I have a husband. I work uh, with men alongside them. And I just found that I'm one of those persons that has this softer side that wants to empower people. We want to communicate and build relationships, but yet I got this like energetic side where I'm a doer. So I, I can run a project like no other. I'm interested in technology. I'm interested in uh, entrepreneurship and all these spaces. And so it just kind of one of those things that naturally gravitated towards me. And so I thought, why not? I was actually asked by a man to join Voice of Men 360. And I thought, well, this is kind of interesting. Why would a woman come in and join their group? And, and the funny thing that I found, or maybe not funny, but the most interesting, there are so many women advocates that are a part of their network. And so it's men and women partnering together to work on issues where you get the perspectives from both sides. And, and really, it's all about being human. Humans need other humans. And so why not be supportive in that community? And so that's how it started. I enjoy doing it. And um, why not do something that you enjoy and you can have that impact? Why not? And so 
I just love to do it every day. And, you know, by me stepping out there and, and joining these communities and showing that I can like learn and grow as I go and, and not be afraid to try. Well, that's setting an example for my sons, my daughter, my husband, um, any of the men that I'm supporting, um, we're all doing it together. And, you know, there's that value in that. And so that's why I, I love working in that area. And, and I, you know, I could choose to 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 pick sides or teams, but you know, um, you know, I really empower anyone that comes into my space. But it is a a space where I'm valued, and the work that I need, uh, or work that I do, is needed. And so, you know, go where you're needed and, and valued. So why not? Well, your energy and your passion for that is inspiring. So I'm excited to go forth in my own life and do some of the things that I've been thinking about as well. So that's you really seems to fit you because you are so encouraging, and that's it's not a front or it's not a, a business practice for you. That truly is who you are, who I've gotten to know over the past couple of years. And so it's, it's just nice to see that fitting and being authentic for you. Thank you for saying that because that's really, you're right. It's, it's who I am. It's not like I picked something, it picked me. And so I, I was open and stepped forward into that. Now you're one of the lucky people where your passion kind of found you and, and you found it staring you in the face and you're like, Oh, I can go with this. Others sometimes are going to have to really just say, hey, I'm going to pick this and go do it and see where it leads. Before I, well, there was a point in my life working a certain job and said, hey, I want to do better for myself. And I just picked getting into a financial career and then found out, hey, I really like this. Uh, I was familiar with it and there was a lot of reasons I, I chose that. But it was a choice, hey, I'm going to do this harder thing because I want to elevate and then growing into that. So I kind of had to just pick something and see if it would fit. And then maybe I would try a couple of different things. Do you think that you're just fortunate or how do you view that something like that? Oh, well, it's funny that you say that, that you pick the part where you could like grow with it. Um, I actually wanted to become a teacher or psychologist, <laughs> which, which is I'm coming full circle now, but I, I actually picked accounting because I like business entrepreneurship. And I knew that I could get a, a job anywhere if I were to, to, take this skill. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that I did because accounting, you know, is very transferable skill. And so, um, I can teach accounting. I can uh, show other people how to be organized with it, but then it expanded, you know, it had this, I was in the places and spaces and organizations where I could learn facilitation, project management. So imagine had I just picked the teaching, maybe I just would be, um, in a grade school teaching, and maybe I wouldn't have expanded so far. So, you know, sometimes you just get lucky that that you have an interest and a skill that maybe you start in one place, but you're open to expanding in the possibilities because I wouldn't take it back because all the experiences I've had to date wouldn't have unfolded in the way they had, had I not picked accounting to, to go forward. And it was about service, really, because I realized that I could help people. So this is another huge reason to be yourself wherever you are, because even if you're an accountant, mm -hmm. you can talk about non-accounting things and say, hey, this is who I am. Then maybe you make a connection or a networking relationship through that. And maybe they wouldn't have connected with accountant Linda, but they did with leadership Linda yeah. or Beacon Linda. Yeah. And so showing those multiple sides, can you can create opportunities within your existing you know, daily routine you know, just by being a little bit more yourself. And this goes to the same, one of the big proponents for, you know, produce content and follow your passions, put out what you want to put out. Mm -hmm. Well, if people don't like it and don't talk to you, what a relief, because then you just avoided that awkward conversation without even having to have it. It was only awkward for them because, you know, you don't, unless they leave a comment, which they're never going to do. So it's kind of like self-filtering. Being yourself is better for yourself. Isn't that great? <laughs> it is great. And so why wouldn't you want to be yourself? Think about it. When you meet someone for the very first time, we're all putting our best selves out there. But if we're not putting our our true self out there, then that person could like that alter self and you're not even anything like that person and they could bring disappointment. So why not cut to the chase and be who you are? And if you're, you know, if the other person uh, prefers your company and and being in your presence and, and doing things together, that's great. And if you're not their flavor or their, or their preference, they know early on because you weren't putting up that other person, you're being your authentic self. And it just makes life easier when you're not trying to to um, put a persona out there that you're not, or you're trying to put yourself as a persona so you can be light. 
that's way harder. It's easier to be yourself and, and, and the people that are meant for you will flow in the people that aren't meant for you, they will flow out or maybe they won't enter at all. And, you know, and so, so that's a great point. Always come in and be yourself no matter what, because at the end of the day, no matter who you become and what you do, like, what, like what you do is not who you are. And then that's kind of where I was getting because accounting is a skill that I use and I get paid professionally to do, but it's not who I am. Who I am is more like what you said, that leadership, Linda, that beacon, Linda, that's who I am. And that's who I prefer to show up. And so I will never identify usually as an accountant. Well, and this, we really need to encourage these beacons so that people can have validation and have supporters around so that when they find non-supporters, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but I am someone's cup of tea, you know, and, and I think it's really important to encourage that so our networks can grow healthy. Um, and, and that's really great. Thank you. So I kind of want to transition here and talk a little bit more about your uh, coaching pursuits and some of the things that you help people identify in their professional lives. Um, and we just have a series of questions here that I wanted to ask. First off, how do you build a workplace culture that honors uh, the values and needs of its people? Yes, that's a very good one because I'm going to be the first one to say it's not about the mission statement that's pasted on the wall. Hmm. (laughs) I'm going to say that with conviction. What it is, when you want to establish a culture, you don't build it out of a vacuum. You build it by asking your people, what do they value most? What do they see and how do they see themselves contributing to that goal? Because when you're asking, That's great because then you're not building something that someone doesn't want or doesn't value. You yourself are embodying those attributes. So if you want a culture of respect and integrity, then you have to show up with respect and integrity. Then the other thing that you're doing, so first you've asked, you embody those traits, you invite other people to step up and to own their game, to participate. So in life, we have spectators and we have participants. So they need to become that participant so that they know and value the things that they do. And they know that they are contributing in ways that are also valued by the organization. So those are the things that I would say need to happen. And then, you know, making sure that as a contributor, um, you're also recognizing the other contributors. You're voicing that appreciation and recognition on a regular basis. So how would you, if you were helping somebody to build a culture or structure differently, how would you innovate and adapt in somebody else's structure when their things are always changing too? Or, you know, what suggestions would you have there? Okay. So things are always on the change, right? Whether it's a pandemic, um, it's a new computer system, um, any of these things, right? So I always let people know they need to be adaptable. But it doesn't mean to be a doormat, okay? <laughs> but to be adaptable means you're willing and open to hear other perspectives that may be different than yours. You are encouraging others to share their ideas. So you're not going to be uh, listening to somebody's idea, then completely dismissing it and saying, we've always done it this way, or that'll never work, or you've never been that far in your journey. So you don't have any <laughs> credibility to, to suggest something. I've seen that one done. That one is a little bit hard because, you know, we didn't get to the moon uh, by uh, someone that already had gone that journey and that we listened to them. That was very exploratory. So, so you got to be open to exploring and, and being open to something, maybe you try it and it doesn't work, but you know, you, you adjust, you adapt. So you're working with all these different personalities. If you're trying to do something like this, how are you staying calm inside when everything outside is, can be shifting and changing and may not always be in incongruency? How do you manage yourself, you know, there? Okay. That's a normal day for me. (laughs) So there's a lot of different personalities. There's a lot of things that people uh, have differences on, on how they want to go about even just communication and relationships right there or how you lead. And so really to stay grounded goes back to foundations. You ask people what they value most. You ask how they want to contribute. You even will get into find out what people's preferences are. So I like to find out how does a person like to communicate? Do they like to do it by phone, 
email. They like to do it um, on video. You know, how do they like to do it? And then frequency, all that matters a lot. You know, do you like to talk every day or, or you know, is once a month or once a year great for you? Um, when you can figure out and ask people their preferences and what they value, then um, really showing up in that way. So the, the whole grounding thing is a little bit hard um, in the world we live in now because everyone is moving at warp speed. And so I notice all the time that when I enter a meeting space, whether it's virtual or in person, people are already thinking about that next place they have to be, that thing they're not doing. And so it's just a matter of getting people to get present in the moment, to 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 show up with attention to what we're doing. And, and really, the only way that can happen is if I'm showing up that way. So if I'm on a meeting and I've got my screen shut off and they can hear me clicking on my keyboard that I'm multitasking, not a good thing to be doing if you're wanting to, uh, people to, to be grounded and present in the moment. So camera on, I'm attentive to what we're doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking about what I could be doing or what I'm missing or where I need to be. I'm, I'm focusing in on what it is that we're trying to work towards in that particular moment. Now, you want to be accommodative, but you can't meet everybody every day on Zoom. That's so right. how do you create those agreements or those standards and how do, you know, how do you communicate that with people? Hey, this is how we're going to structure. Oh, absolutely. So I, I've done that with my team. Um, I've got some people that want the, the you know, daily interaction. I've got other ones that want to be on the Zoom. And so for me, my preference is not to have daily interaction on the chat box all day long that I, I get distracted and I can't focus on what needs to happen. So what I've done is I said, why don't we have a huddle once a week for half an hour where we can share what we're working on, you know, where we might need some help from somebody or coverage. And we do that. And that works great. Now that's, that's my preference. The team comes in to honor that, but I also honor their preference, which is they want to have the chat. So I'm just not a part of that chat. They can, can they can communicate on the things that are closest to them and working with the team members and their customers. And it works great and they all love it. So, you know, both can happen um, in the same space, which is great. So a bit of flexibility goes a long way. How do you switch from where it's just kind of like task performance to actually empowering someone to have their own autonomy to operate within that role? That's a really good question. And so a lot of individuals have tasks. They know when they need to get done and, and how they need to do them. So I stay out of their way. I let them decide when and how they're going to do that. And then as far as empowering people to be like, say, be innovative, I always tell people, you see something operationally or you see something that a customer wants or even voices in a lot of cases, you are free to explore what how that could be different. So you don't have to be tied to what you did yesterday. You don't have to be tied to maybe how we uh, started. You can have the autonomy and my trust to go explore how you could change that. And I actually had a member um, want to change something. And I'm thinking that's going to take a lot of time, a lot of effort. We have so many things to do. And I was a little bit resistant to wanting to spend any more time on this subject because I already had and, and it didn't go as quick, as fast as I liked. But I said, you know what? I think that this is what you need. This is the person you could talk to. Go ahead and go have the conversation and see what you can do. Well, guess what happened? <laughs> they went and had the conversation. They set up the meeting, got the information in a way that would be conducive to be able to implement. So it was something very uh, easy to implement and it's sustainable. And it got recognition from our director. It got it got recognition from our director because we were able to implement a solution to a customer problem without um, the I guess the risk to the agency to our organization um, for making that change. We were able to honor what the customer wanted, made it easier for the team, and so I said thank you so much for taking this on asking for the space to do it. And you know what? Keep continuing to do these things because you see that my resistance didn't get in your way. And because and I said, there's going to be times where I'm going to have to look at what's important and what has to get done. And I may not want to go with you there, but that doesn't prevent you from wanting to do that, to go in that space. Interesting. 
All right. So here's kind of a, this is maybe a little bit more of a generalized question, but within your podcast and then within, you know, some of your coaching, you've referred to as a beacon of team building. What would you describe as a, what is a beacon of leadership? So a beacon of leadership is somebody that shines a light on others to give them that autonomy, to give them that empowerment, to step into their personal place of power and to go try different things to get to that point that they desire to be at. Right. And and so that's really what a beacon does is they're that person that instead of being front and center or that person that wants to hold the reins and and have the person follow through, they actually stand back. So a beacon is someone that will stand back, but they will offer the opportunities. They will create spaces for things to, to maybe be something that can be tried. And then really it's all on developing other beacons. So those same people that have the autonomy and that space to go create and innovate, then they're welcomed. They're encouraged to go do the same thing. And so it's that embodiment of, of what we want in a, in, a, in a team that I would make more team leaders. And then those team leaders would go create their teams and their team leaders. And it just happens exponentially. I mean, that sounds awesome. I love the positive, encouraging mindset. Uh, it's, it's opportunistic, but also, you know, with a good dash of realism and awareness. And I just think it's important. So I hope that we can continue to see more beacons around. Uh, and Linda, if someone wants to reach out to you or maybe talk to you about coaching services, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yes. The best way to get a hold of me is with learnfromlindatilson.com or the beaconsofleadership.com. Great. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure talking and I really look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you.